and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 147. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be discussing the new feature film, Star Trek Beyond. And we have a wonderful guest today, Dominic Nardi. Some of you may recall he was here for our awesome Star Wars The Force Awakens discussion uh, back in December. Say hi, Dom. Hi, thanks for having me. We are very excited to have you. Uh, especially for this movie in particular. So, here we go. Star Trek Beyond, directed by Justin Lin, written by Simon Pegg and Doug Jung, music by Michael Giacchino. Cast include Chris Pine as Captain James T. Kirk, Zachary Quinto as Commander Spock, Carl Urban as Lieutenant Commander Leonard McCoy, Simon Pegg as Lieutenant Commander Montgomery Scott, Zoe Saldana as Lieutenant Uhura, John Cho as Lieutenant Hikaru Sulu, Anton Yelkin as Ensign Pavel Chekhov, Idris Elba as Kral, Sophia Butella as Jayla, Joe Taslam as Manus, Lydia Wilson as Kalara, Deep Roy as Kinzer, and Shoray Agdashlu as Commodore Paris. Three years into its five-year mission, the USS Enterprise arrives at Starbase Yorktown, a massive space station to replenish dwindling supplies while the crew takes shore leave. Struggling to find continued meaning in their mission, Captain James T. Kirk has applied for a promotion to Vice Admiral. Meanwhile, Hereka Sulu reunites with his spouse and daughter. Spock and Uhura have amicably ended their relationship, and Spock has also received word from New Vulcan that Ambassador Spock has passed away. Outside the station, an escape pod drifts out of a nearby nebula. The survivor, Koran, claims her ship is stranded on an, a planet in the nebula, and the Enterprise is dispatched on a rescue mission. Wait, no, hang on a minute, Lassie. I'm having a difficult day here. I've got to find my crewmates. You help me, and I help you. All right, well, things being as they are, I doubt I'll get a better offer today, so lead the way. Good. I am Jayla, and you are Montgomery Scott. Aye, Scotty. Come now, Montgomery Scotty. Star Trek Beyond. First of all, how many times has everybody seen it? Just once? I've only seen it once. I've only had time to check it out once. Once for me, yes. Once for me, too. Okay. Um, was everyone... Um, let's see. How excited were you guys about this? Uh, you know, they, they, they held the marketing really late for this movie, kind of like they did for Into Darkness. I'm not sure I really agree with that decision. It's, it just seems weird, like, considering how much money they spend on these, how much production value they have that they don't treat them the way every other studio treats their big movies is kind of a weird thing, but that's not what our Star Trek fans are listening to our podcast to hear me discuss, so I won't get into that. <laughs> but um, I'm just curious, like, um, you know, where your expectations were, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like, to me, that trailer they released in December, I was, you know, I think we talked about it. We were kind of, you know, excited because it was new Star Trek, but, you know, there were things that were lacking in that trailer for us. Um but each one was a little better. And then that last one they released with that Rihanna song, that, that trailer was amazing. And at that point, I was really excited. You know, um, Even if I hadn't liked the movie, I I'm sure I still would have seen it several times. But, <laughs> um, but I'm, just, I'm just wondering, so a couple things. One, where were your expectations for this film? And, uh, and then two, kind of your initial kind of reaction now. You know? Dom, you're our guest. You want to go first? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I guess the context, of course, is that trailer you mentioned in, in December, which I think you know, personally set my expectations pretty low. Um, I admittedly wasn't a huge fan of the first two J.J. J. Abrams films. Um, I liked 09, all right, and uh, Into Darkness, not as much. Um, my expectations started to creep up more recently as I started to see positive reviews. So I went into the movie, maybe maybe not hyped for it, but open to the possibility that it was actually going to be a good movie. And um, I think it is. I mean, I, don't, I think I came out of the movie, um, we, we can go into this more later, but I definitely feel like it is much more of a Star Trek movie than the previous two movies. Um, Hang on one second. I, don't, I, I, oh, yeah. I realize I should have announced, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it, this podcast is going to be full of Star Trek Beyond spoilers. We're assuming if you're listening to this, you've heard it. So, I mean, you've seen the movie, listeners. So, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, stop the podcast. I'm sorry, continue, Don. Oh, no, of course. Um, so, I think, it's, I think it's a better Star Trek movie than the other two movies. I don't know if it's as good a, of, a, of an action-adventure action movie um, as the 09 movie was. So that was my initial impression, at least. Yeah, I think I'm going to – my initial impression is it sounds similar to yours. You know, I like – but in a way that it's a – that it maybe is a better Star Trek movie. And I feel the same way. You know, the, the first J.J. movie, I thought it was good and I liked it. And the second one, I thought, this is a good movie, but, it, you know, it's got some issues. And those issues in, in, from Into Darkness, they've, they've, they've actually – gotten a little worse with age, you know? So in these few years, three years, whatever, um, like it's harder for me to watch now, you know, uh, into darkness, but specifically, um, but kind of my first thoughts from beyond were this does feel a little bit more like a star Trek movie, even though it's stylistically incredibly different from the two JJ movies. And I'm sure that's entirely because of Justin Lin's directing. Um, even if I look at the, the the 2009 Star Trek film and think maybe that's maybe that's objectively a better movie, I think Star Trek Beyond is the most rewatchable of all three of these Kelvin timeline films. I have a feeling I'm going to be watching Beyond a lot, you <laughs> know, mm. in, in a way because it's because it feels a little bit more Star Trek and because it doesn't have some of the things that you know that still bug me in a way you know, watching Vulcan destroyed or something from the first one. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's something that I kind of want us to kind of keep in mind as we're talking about this. Yes, there are, this is a Star Trek podcast and um, the only people that listen to this podcast are Star Trek fanatics and, and we love you all. But um, I think that when it comes to a film like this, that is marketed and intended for a lot more than just the, the Star Trek audience. Uh, I mean, cause you know, if they couldn't get more of that audience, they would not be spending $185 million making a movie. Um, we would have little 40 to $60 million movies, like all the ones we had before J.J. And i that's one thing I love about all three of these movies, especially uh, this one. I love the production value. Um, if they didn't have more people than just Star Trek fans going to see them, they, they, they wouldn't be spending uh, this money. Um, so I, I do think it's... Um, fair and in in fact even important that we all try to also evaluate the movie kind of objectively just as a film, not just a Star Trek film. Uh, 
Mr. Caesar, what were um, what were your initial impressions? Um, initial impressions are probably similar to and and, and your work. expectations as well. Well, my similar impression, my I guess back in December, I wasn't I wasn't too excited about the trailer. It took me a while to get excited about the trailer. I think I remember I was telling you in like April or May, I was like, eh, I'm not really all that into because I think we just had one trailer at that time, and I just wasn't really into it. I the only thing that kind of kept me going is um, Simon Pegg. Because I'm a big fan of Simon outside of Star Trek, um, yeah. his writing and his movie making. And so that's kind of the only thing that kind of gave me a little bit of like optimism early on. And, you know, he, um, I think he was quoted as saying, you know, the trailer that was released in December really doesn't depict the movie very well. So that's what kind of gave me hope going into it. And I'm like you guys, I got a little bit more and more excited as they started releasing more promotional material. I kind of had the same question as you, Brian, is why they didn't start releasing this sooner, like, in May, you know, um, that were, you know, well, they did, we did get the new, the, the second trailer in May and that trailer was much better than the December one. And I, yeah. that, that was when I went to that Paramount fan event member that we talked about. Right. Um, and that was in May. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seemed like a lot of stuff came out, but, but movie. most movies of this kind of budget, they're doing stuff a year out. Sure. You know? Sure. When was well, the first time you heard about Force Awakens? When was the first time you heard about Rogue One even? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um my initial impressions of the movie, um, I think I would agree with you. I I liked um the first Star Trek movie that JJ did. Um I didn't I liked the second one. I thought the second movie, um, Into Darkness was a good movie, but a bad Star Trek movie. So I know that kind of sounds weird, but it's a good, really good action film. It's just not a very good Star Trek film. So that's kind of how I feel about Into Darkness. Beyond, I think um, I'm pretty close to um, you, Dominic, and Brian, that it feels more like a Star Trek film. They take some themes from – I can definitely see themes from The Wrath of Khan, um, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. And, you know, um, there's definitely a lot more relevance to um, the original series. So um, I think overall I did enjoy it. I I'm, the one thing that still kind of bothers me, and this has been going on with Trek for a long time, is like they just they keep making bottle movies. I kind of, kind of, you know, we've kind of had the same ending, you know, at least three times now, where the Enterprise just bolts off and you know, second star. Yeah, but, right. and, okay, and I, but I know that's a, I know that's part of Star Trek, and that's part of you know. Well, but hang on, the map that was not that was not the intention. Remember, now originally this film was completely different. It was totally different. Uh, Roberto Orsi, the writer of the previous ones, he was he he had written the third film. He was very briefly going to direct it, and it was more of a con- supposedly it was much more of a continuation from Into Darkness. I I don't know if that we were going if there was some big Klingon war, but there that was definitely completely different, you know. And when Paramount and Bad Robot just either decided they didn't like the script or they were scared of Orsi's director. I, I, we don't know those details and we're probably never going to get them. Um, but at some point, they completely abandoned everything they had. JJ hired Justin Lin and they started completely from scratch. Sure. You know, Justin spent a, a weekend with Simon and Doug uh, Young, the other writer, hashing out kind of some of the story stuff and then Simon and Doug went off and wrote it. So... 
Well, what I was going to say is like, yes, it's 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 a bottle film, and that's just me personally. I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just me personally. I would like to see some sort of continuation. The only thing that I've kind of heard is there is continuation themes in this movie. You know, um, Kirk, his father, Spock, his his yeah. world. So there's those themes have been prevalent through you know these first three films that have been um, directed and produced by JJ. So I'm kind of thinking. I, what I'm seeing you, that they might do that, they might continue that in the fourth film, or it sounds like they are because, I mean, there's been, I guess, I don't yeah, know if it's, already, if it's official that Chris Hainsworth is going to return as George Kirk. So that's what kind of gives me hope you say for the future. You didn't, you didn't much care for, you thought Star Trek Into Darkness maybe wasn't a good Star Trek film. Um, why would you even want them to continue that? Well, that's kind so of, I guess that's my I, point about Brian, talking about that's kind of a silly they, question because I'm a Star Trek fan, so I'm yeah, of course I'm gonna go see the next Star Trek film. No, even but I, I, I'm, there's plenty of film, there's plenty even before um, Into Darkness that I didn't care for that much. I still go see yeah. Star Trek films. That's not that has nothing to do with it. So Star Trek Into Darkness, it sounds like you know we're all kind of like you know there's some issues and stuff. There is one thing I love about Star Trek Into Darkness that I will always love: the production value. I don't think we're ever gonna see another Star Trek movie look and feel as big and expensive as Star Trek Into Darkness. Beyond certainly does not. Um, but what I think is interesting here is I think Beyond, all these things you, you're talking about, like Spock, Spock Prime and um, some of the other stuff you mentioned, um, you could basically drop Star Trek Into Darkness and just watch 2009 Star Trek and Star Trek Beyond would almost be a better sequel to 2009 Star Trek than Into Darkness. I can see that. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Can I, I have a quick question? Whatever happened to the Klingon War from Into Darkness? Was there like a, a comic book sequel or something that explained that? Because that was a big plot point in Into Darkness, and they don't address that at all. Um, I don't, I don't know of anything. Um, yeah, I was just I, curious if, yeah. if anybody. Maybe. I haven't heard anything. Steve, have you heard anything on these lines? No, no, I haven't. No. Um. Well, Steve, uh, so what were your uh, kind of expectations and, and initial impressions? Well, I think on the whole, we're kind of on the same page about this. My, I thought the, the first teaser sucked, you know, back last year. It, yeah, it was like, oh boy, generic action film with Star Trek in the title is what it seemed like. Um, but then, yeah, the, the trailers improved. I read a little bit about the film, you know, nothing like the, the whole plot or something like that, but enough to interest me more. And so my expectations crept up as, as it went, and, um, and I, I, I really did enjoy it. I, I thought it was um, um, uh, pretty much what you said, Brian. I, I thought it was uh, maybe not, not as good as a, as a you know, cohesive objective, whatever that means, critically film as the uh, first J.J. Abrams Star Trek film, but um, I thought it was very entertaining and, um, and definitely a good, and, and like you said, I think, I think the reason for me that it's, it also seems like a good Star Trek film is a couple things. One, you know, we're here at the 50th anniversary and definitely has all this classic original series vibe to it. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. all these, there are all these little, and not just the one-off lines that if you really know the original series, you can appreciate it's kind of tongue-in-cheek and stuff like that. But the, there's a lot of the feel of it, you know, very early on there's that and then some of the interactions and just something about the look, the way the uniforms are, I don't know what, just everything like that. And second, um, by, I think... In a way, you know, you have this 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 Kelvin timeline, which 
a lot of hardcore fanatics aren't a big fan of that we've deviated from the the prime timeline. Uh, but the fact that um, you know the prime universe Spock and Leonard Nimoy is in some way, shape, or form in these films, and it's not just throwaway. And, it's, and in this film, it's it's not throwaway because it affects it affects uh, Zachary Quinto Spock. You know, throughout you have you have it's spoken of. There's at the beginning, the middle, the end. It's 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 throughout, and you see images and all this kind of thing. That it does connect it to the universe we know, and for and for big fans, it that adds an a, an extra emotional component to it. At least it did for me. Um, you know, acknowledging Leonard Nimoy's passing and so forth. Um, so I think all those things together. And, and with a little bit of, you know, it's not like Enterprise was the best Trek series or something like that, but you have some, you have. It was some amazing. The Enterprise uh, references. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's not just the 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 ignored stepchild. It's the ignored stepchild's cousin's neighbor's right. nephew. <laughs> and, oh. and in reality, in this universe, it's the only thing beyond the references to Prime Universe Spock that we can have because yeah. they share that history, and it's in there. And I think all that stuff together makes it so entertaining and, a, and, a, and an enjoyable yeah. Trek film. I, I really dug it. I liked it. Yeah, that was one thing I actually said to my, my wife the next day because I, I didn't – she didn't see it until the second time I watched it. The first time I saw it, I went down to the premiere. I'll talk about that later. But, um, but she, you know, she asked me, and I said, you know, it's uh, how can I not like a movie that references the Zindi War? So, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, nobody's gonna understand that, <laughs> and like, no, you know, the New York Times film critic is not gonna say that. <laughs> um, but so does anyway. that imply that um, he was on Enterprise? Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? They were the only ones that really did. Yeah, fight this indie. So yeah, I mean that's what I was wondering. Does that kind of imply that okay, was he? That, yeah, I guess he was on Enterprise with Archer. Uh-huh. Well, and then he said because then he said he was in the Romulan War, which would have been you know sometime later. So assume he's probably higher rank. He must, it makes sense that he would have been a much lower rank. Younger assuming, kid, he probably would have been a kid with the fight. In the yeah, Zindi. during the, during the Zindi War, and then yeah, don't you remember Idris Elba from the last episode of season three? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I, I did want to ask: Would it have with that trailer that we were all disappointed with back in December? Again, there's a part of me that's just like, "This is Star Trek footage I have never seen before." That makes it fun in a way, but yes, I, I have the same feelings, like you know, generic action, whatever. Um, but if we had known then, um, again, folks, we're just assuming you've seen the movie. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Okay. Uh, if we had known then that like Beastie Boys Sabotage featured it was featured so prominently in this movie, would that have made any difference to that December trailer? But I'm just curious, would that have made a difference to you guys? Would it have made it seem like it was it was less generic y generic as a trailer? Maybe, but why even use it in the trailer? I mean, because if you if you totally keep it out and yeah. then drop it into this movie and we haven't it more seen an impact. it since 09, then it's like, oh yeah, that, it's like a little nugget, you know, or something, versus oh, oh that explains why they stuck it in the trailer and blah, 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 you know, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I, mean, not, yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah. I, I agree with Steve there, because when I, when they play, it kind of lost a little bit of its impact, because I'm like, well, I already knew this was coming, so. Mm. So I think it, they would have been better off not um, using... The Beastie Boys in the trailer. 
Yeah, I probably would have hated the trailer even more than I did if they had. <laughs> you know, if, if I if I if somebody had told me back in December that they were going to pump Beastie Boys music out of out of the the Yorktown or what are the the Franklin speakers as a way of destroying the enemy, I I I, I might not have seen the movie. But that said, having seen the movie. I actually cracked up during that scene. They sell it with such enthusiasm. Yeah. And, and it's not long. I think that, that would have, I would have been really it. easy. If it had been any longer, it would have been silly. Yeah. It's the right it amount. Was, and some of the, the, it was funny. The visual images, a couple of like the really wide shots where you just see that small little enterprise going up this like wall of of this, the bees, the swarm ships, whatever they're called. Uh, and there's like a, a bunch of the ships near the enterprise are exploding. Like so, like an explosion's following the ship as it kind of goes up the screen. You're talking about the Franklin, Brian. You're talking about the Franklin. Oh, I said Enterprise, didn't I? Yeah, you're right, Franklin. Uh, yeah, that was that was beautiful. That was great, and and it worked like gangbusters. I thought with that music, and I will point out, um, the first time I saw it, I was with my my cousin's son, who is 18 years old. He loved that part. All he could talk about after the movie was the the sabotage part. He loved it. You know, like, <laughs> hey, you know what? That's great. That that worked. You know, and I think one reason it didn't work in the trailer and why it worked in the movie is because in the trailer it seemed very serious. You know, it seemed like a very serious action adventure movie. Um, you know, so the tone in which the Beastie Boys was used and come across, and the, the movie itself, beyond itself, I think is a, in a lot of ways a very funny movie, and it does not take itself seriously. So hearing the music in that context, I think, was different from. You know, a more serious, uh, the more serious context of that first trailer. Well, there are some serious things in Beyond. Um, oh, I want to ask uh, Adam you, very specifically because every time we saw a trailer for Beyond, what you, the first thing you always said was, "I'm sick of seeing the Enterprise getting the crap kicked out of it." They do that in every movie. They're doing it here. Well, they do even more than kick the crap out <laughs> yes. of it. They destroy it. Um, I'm wondering if now that we've seen the movie, you know, famously um, Gene Roddenberry, who basically got cut out of the films after he, you know, spent three times his budget on the first movie, uh, who, but he was allowed to um, submit notes on scripts, which the studio then just ignored. But, you know, he was beside himself upset about the destruction of the Enterprise in Star Trek III. Um Star Trek Three is still my favorite Star Trek movie, uh, and the loss of the Enterprise in that, which yes, it's a character in Star Trek, but when you lose the Enterprise in Star Trek Three, it's it couldn't possibly be more worthwhile. Just like Bones says, you know, you turn they turn death into a fighting chance to live, and it's 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 totally worth it to destroy the Enterprise there. I might feel slightly less so about the destruction of the Enterprise in Generations. It feels a little bit more obligatory, um, just that they wanted to end this series feel and get into the movies. Um, but it's, I mean, it's not entirely that. I mean, it's still, it's, it's fine. Anyway, I'm wondering what you guys feel about how you felt about the destruction of the Enterprise here, if you think it was justified and, and worthwhile, um, your thoughts? Um, well, yeah, my complaints about the Enterprise is, you know, you, you mentioned it's, it hasn't, hasn't felt like a character in at least the first two movies. I will say this, they, um, I, I felt a little bit, I don't know if it was because 
Kirk was going through his little bit of his midlife, his, you know, Wrath of Khan midlife crisis in this movie. Um, you know, I don't know if he was feeling like his dad, but it did feel like he had a little bit of a connection to the Enterprise in this film. Um, they kind of go out, you know, we don't get, you know, obviously with this crew, this cast and, and the story, we don't get the in-depth um, episodes and the feelings of the ship, Scotty, you know, in love with the ship and that kind of stuff. So I kind of get that. Um, my first feeling about them destroying the Enterprise in this one, I I thought it made sense in the film. I thought they did it in a good way. Um, did I have an emotional impact like I did in Star Trek 3? No. Um, and then, you know, and, you know, then there's a new and a brand new enterprise at the end of the film. And I think because we all knew, I think because we all knew the enterprise was going to be destroyed in this film, it, that probably took away yeah. a little bit of the impact too. Um, and then it, it very much, they just kind of copied, uh, Star Trek three. Oh, at the end of the film, we got a new ship. You know, they even set it up early on in the film when they were talking about a new ship that hadn't been constructed yet. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it. Like I said, I don't think it really had an emotional impact on me. I think it worked well on the story. I think it worked. I think you're right. I think it worked better in this storyline than it did in um, First Contact. But you then again, I had in First Contact, it was actually an emotional impact because we spent so much time with that ship. With this ship, we haven't spent a lot of time with it. And the time that we have spent with it, it's been hasn't been really utilized very well. I don't think. But that's my thoughts. Dom, how did it make you feel? Well, first thing I want to say is um, I do. You know, we were less than enthusiastic. Thing I think about Into Darkness, but I want to give J.J. Abrams credit where credit is due. I think if he had been directing Beyond, he would not have revealed this, that the Enterprise was going to be destroyed. He would have kept that secret. And I well, think it's that would have made it's it not like they impactful. they didn't really show that like in a trailer. They showed it getting the crap kicked out of it, but officially, it was pretty, you know, in the trailer. Justin yeah. Lin basically came out and said it in a couple of different interviews, yeah. Yeah. and I think it was more like, I think it was more like, I don't know, maybe mentioned the way they mentioned Hikaru Sulu is is gay, yeah. even, even though that's a it's a tiny tiny thing. Um, I think that at some point they started somebody somebody got nervous. They're like, you know what? We want to control this. We would rather it doesn't have the 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 emotional impact of destroying the Enterprise. I would we would prefer that it maybe isn't quite as effective. But we don't. We are able to control the narrative. You know, it's like yeah. political press stuff. Let's get it out there mistake. in a way that we can make sure that it doesn't become the story after the movie comes out. You know, that's yeah. what it felt like to me. Abrams may have like not revealed that it was going to get destroyed, but he may have called it uh, the Enterprise John Harrison instead. So kind of <laughs> I was just about for to a say, loop, even you know, JJ's to hide it a bit. That now, you know, the the John Harrison con bit. You know, he does, or at least the way that they marketed it and kept it. You know. A secret. You would have I've said heard. the ship in the trailer was the USS Constellation. Not the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, continue, Tom. Yeah, no, but I, I think I think that the, the marketing really undermined the impact because everybody paying attention knew that it was going to be destroyed. So when I was sitting in the theater watching it get destroyed, my I wasn't feeling sad or shocked. I was feeling good. Okay, I know it's going to be destroyed. When is it going to be destroyed? What is the you know, what is this? Which shot is actually going to destroy the Enterprise? You know, so it, 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 it I don't know. It, just, it didn't, it didn't provoke the reaction it should have, because knowing it was coming, I was looking for the for the actual destruction moment. Well, Adam, I like that you mentioned how maybe there is a little bit more, um, just a little bit more relationship between Kirk and his ship, in a way that the other two maybe 
lack that. And I think you're totally right. That moment after the ship crashes, when they're... Well, even when he's on the bridge by himself at the end, when he's in yeah. the skate pod, you kind of have that. Um, I mean, it's not so much on um, what... They didn't really show Chris Pine's face, or maybe they did. Um, but, I mean, just um, the silhouette of... Chris yeah, Hemsworth's this... mouth thing going on, like the resolve he does right. <laughs> at the beginning of 2009. But no, you there's know, a moment I mean, when Kirk is uh, with... Uh, uh, Chekhov and uh, I do not remember the the alien's name, but then they, and they find the saucer section, Alarm. and Chekhov says something like, "I don't even, you know, we may not even be able to get the sensors working that, that looks so damaged." And Kirk's Kirk's looking at the ship at the saucer section, totally trashed, you know, and uh, crashed, and he says something like, "You know, Enterprise, Enterprise still has tricks up, tricks up, like, yeah." And the way he delivered the line and the, the the writing of the line and, and the fact that he's looking at the Enterprise when he says it, you. That was that was the first time I ever had an inkling of that same feeling that you get every time uh, William Shatner Kirk looks at the Enterprise, and I right. I like that moment a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I guess I mean I guess we have to kind of forgive the. I mean, this is a young crew, and then this timeline, all these they're they're going through this really quick. I mean, you know, I mean, you know. Shatner's Kirk was in his 50s when the Enterprise was destroyed. So, I mean, everything is happening a lot faster in this timeline for these characters. So, I guess I kind of have to cut a little bit of slack. I don't know if it's intentional or not. It's like, you know, finding, you know, I think for me, I, my expectations are over overboard because I'm like, you, they should already be there. And, you know, this mm -hmm. is a whole new set of characters and they haven't quite earned it yet. And I think part of that is they've earned it more in this film. They've gotten a lot more trust in this film. I think when we with into darkness with those scenes it wasn't earned i think we can all agree to that but this one i kind of felt like they kind of i believe pine you know that his character his kirk really had an affection for the ship i mean it was just a small moment but it was enough yeah when i talk about this movie maybe the most watchable of these of these kelvin films for me um you know when i think about uh 2009 star trek the first thing I'll, I'll, in my brain, all I see is somebody running through the corridors, no matter what's going on. Like, can you get me a cup of coffee? Sure. Running through the cup. That's all I see. No matter <laughs> what it is, they're running and running and running as fast as they can. And everything's about to blow up, you know, start to finish. Um, and that to me is like, that's like the JJ style of that movie more than any other movie, maybe in that film, that and the lens flares, right. Uh, even, even more than, than the way he shot, um, Force Awakens, um, but that's how I see that film. It's it's everybody running nonstop. There's never a break. Um, it's so it makes for an exciting it's movie that that never yeah. slows down. But when we talk about Star Trek and and the style of most Star Trek that's come before now, that's not what it is. Yeah. Which is and it, it that is what this movie is. This movie has an entire section. The 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 middle section of the movie is everybody alone or, you know, just paired up one or two people separately on a planet with nothing. You know, um, longtime listeners of our show may remember that I'm a very big James Bond fan. Uh, fan. My favorite Bond films are the, are the smaller ones. It's, they're never the ones where he's saving the world. They're never the, they're the ones when it's just him and no gadgets. You know, it's just, it's him and his, and his, brain and his guts you know and here 
we get rid of all those safety things, all those things that that the enterprise crew can kind of hide behind metaphorical shields, right? But like literally, the enterprise is toast. Um, and and even the strength they talk a lot about strength and unity, but even then, most of their most of the bridge crew aren't aren't even together for most of the movie, you know. Um, but that whole section, it really feels like it's taking its time. But if if you think about it, it's still really really fast. The amount of time that this whole movie is still super fast. It's a two hour movie, and it flies by from the time the movie opens. Which I've also as a separate thing talked about how much I. You know, I'm a Trekker, not so much a Trekkie, so I believe in this universe. And my favorite, a lot of my favorite episodes are the ones where we just see ordinary life. That's literally how this movie opens. Although maybe it puts a little tear in your eye if, if you dream about, <laughs> oh, I wish I could live on the Enterprise. Well, this makes it look like living on the Enterprise might be kind of boring. <laughs> that's <laughs> the, the, There's no the, holodeck on this one. Yeah, that, that's the dilemma that, that um, Kirk is going through is, is maybe there's a little bit too much routine. But, you know, from the time it opens um, till the time crawl attacks the ship it's really short and it's really fast and a lot of stuff happens there but it's it's fast and even after they're on the planet it's this wonderful duality between justin lynn and jj abrams so we still we have a camera that's that's just showing us two people it's taking its time we're getting a little bit of character stuff but and and that's more like the micro level but at the macro level the movie is still really flying by you know um, and I, when I talk about it's so rewatchable for me, that's what I'm talking about. I watched it four times now, and it's been out for only a few days. Um, and it was just as much fun for me the fourth time. Do you guys – is that – does that make sense? Am I explaining this poorly? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I said, does, I said, does that make sense? Am I explaining it poorly? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> yes, it makes sense. Um, how do you guys feel about Crawl? I, now, the first time I saw this movie, my my biggest complaint, the, the the first thing I said that was a negative for me, was I didn't really understand his motivations. I did not understand the villain's motivations. Um, with each subsequent viewing, it made more sense to me, and I saw they actually had a lot more stuff in there to explain it. But it seems way more subtle to me than, and I, I would still probably, if if I'm talking about it objectively as a movie versus a Star Trek movie and a Star Trek fan, objectively as a movie, I think they should have made his motivations more clear. I think that that was a that was a one of the weak things in the movie. As a Star Trek fan, now that I've watched it multiple times and I I hear those lines and all that stuff starts to make sense to me. Um, that doesn't bother me so much anymore because it's it's there. It's and it doesn't matter that it's so much that it's not so um, that that it's more subtle than it should be. But as a, objectively as a movie, I think that was a kind of a weak point. Did that? Did the villains' motivations were they clear to you guys immediately? Um, generally, how do you think Crawl stacks up to the heavies in other Star Trek films? I, I agree totally with what you said. I questioned uh, the motivations were not very clear. I get it in retrospect, um, and that's fine. But because it wasn't particularly solid, I mean, he's tough and all that, whatever. But because it wasn't particularly solid, it makes him kind of, you know, just average villain to me for a Trek movie. Um, his motivations kind of reminded me of, um, oh, my goodness, um, Star Trek, the not the – Insurrection. 
the mm. villain's an insurrection, you know, where, you know, he, you know, his motivations are one thing early on in the film and you find out it's really about revenge. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what, um, crawl was. I, I don't think he I'm was gonna a, disagree with you, but, but continue. Well, I mean, you know, crawl, you I mean, you kind of feel like crawl's motivation early on is just to fight back the, I don't know, just to fight back the domination of, of the Federation. And then you find out later on, it's really more about revenge and just destroying that because, you know, he was left on this planet. But I would, I mean, overall, I would kind of agree. It's the motivations, the character. I like the actor. I thought he did a good job, but I mean, I don't think the character was very well fleshed out. They could have done a little bit more. Um, also on a side note is like, why do you build a large space station next to a nebula that you have no idea what's in it? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So the first time I saw it, I, when I felt like his motivations were very weak, um, I did just think it was more of a revenge thing. I don't think that it, I could be wrong, but I don't feel that way anymore. With subsequent viewings, there are certain lines that really stand out. And now I, I feel like it's, it's a more solid motivation. Uh, it just should have been more clear. Now I feel way more like um, he feels, Crawl feels, Edison feels. Um, like he's an isolationist. Like he, the Federation, it, it was wrong. Uh, you know, kind of like those people in on Enterprise uh, who felt like, you know, if if we hadn't moved out into the universe, the Zindi would never have attacked us, you know? Um, I think that there's way more of that sort of thing. Like he's not exactly a xenophobe, but um, he thinks that making peace, as he says, breaking bread with our enemies um, makes us weak and is holding our species back. And I really think that he feels super strong about that, way more so than revenge against the Federation. I mean, now, I, I, I think that makes you that way at all. Yeah, I do. I do see that, but I think it's just questionable, just because it's so unclear. I think that yeah. that's the, that's the problem is that they made the motivation this kind of they 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 skirted that line of making it feel re- like kind of like a revenge thing. Yet what you said makes total sense when you review all the dialogue and everything that went down. So I think they it would have been better if they would have solidified that somehow. Yeah, they, well, they plus, Brian, Brian cheated really. because he saw it four times. He <laughs> cheated. He, he knows the lines. He's got, he has more, way more in-depth knowledge of this movie. It's You're funny because... It, cheater, Brian. We talk about this. It's Yes, I, I definitely enjoy cheating. Um, just a couple more lines could have solidified all this. Dom, yeah. Dom what is your reaction to... Yeah, the, so I, yeah. I, I agree with most of, I think, what you all are saying. I want to take a slightly different tack on this. It... it Hopefully this won't go into too much of a diatribe, but I think... Are you going to say that Carl is a Republican? <laughs> no, 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 Republican no. listeners. I don't yeah. want to... <laughs> uh, Brian. No, no, not that at all, actually. Um, <laughs> make, make the Federation <laughs> great again. Um, no, no. Um, so, what I was going, so what I was going to say is that um, in the original Star Trek movies, those were all set during the Cold War, and a lot of the villains were um, foreign powers... You know, like the Klingons were, you know, another superpower. Some, you know, the Romulans and most, even the Cardassians. So most of the enemies, the Enterprise faced were uh, foreign soldiers, and so you know, kind of, it was, it was a very different framework. You know, you had your occasional Mad Men and you know your Cons and stuff, but you know, I, I feel like the villains in the original series were addressing a different world. 
I think the new Star Trek movies realize that they're in a post 9-11 world and that for a lot of Americans, the, the great threat from the outside is terrorism or rogue individuals who threaten us harm or even lone gunmen in the United States. And I, you know, if you look at all, all three of the, uh, all three of the Kelvin timeline movies, the villains have been lone individuals or for Nero, you know, his group of soldiers, his group of miners, but he wasn't a soldier. He was a miner. Um, you know, seeking some, well, he was, he was, yeah, he was, he was on a mining ship. So it's more, he's, he's kind of more like a, um, I, I guess a very, well, very powerful mining ship. Um, but you know, you have all the you have these individuals who are not traditional military seeking revenge against the Federation for one reason or another. Um, but that said, I don't I don't think the villains. I think in all three of these movies, I don't think the villains have worked. And one of the reasons why I don't think they've worked, I think they're they're trying to be socially relevant and trying to get at this zeitgeist of you know terrorism and lone gunmen. But I don't think they work because partly because I think. You know, it's 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 a very weird threat. Like you know, the you know, with a lone gunman, it's a very individual individualized threat. You know, every lone gunman has his or own her own motivations for doing what they do. You know, terrorist. You know, terrorism is also very complex. Where you have, you know, people joining these organizations, and you know, they're not they're not soldiers in a government swearing loyalty to a government. They have, you know, so it's it's more complicated, and it's, you know, I think. For it to work, I think you really do have to develop the character. Like you really do have to understand Krall's motivations for him to work. You can't just say, "Oh, this guy is an agent of a foreign government," and that explains everything. You know, you need to understand would, what makes Krall tick. I think I would disagree with the the uh, label of lone gunman. At least, well, I, I mean, I, I, I can see in in Into Darkness if you're talking about Harrison a little bit, but, but you know, ultimately. The villain that that at least launches Harrison's series of attacks is really Peter Weller's character, Admiral, whatever his name is. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's from within. That that's that's from within, and I and I within the Federation. I mean, within Starfleet, even even more specifically. Um, yeah. And I think that you could make the argument if we if we think of Crawl less as Crawl and more as Edison. Um, I think you can make the argument that it's the, it's kind of the same kind of thing, you know. I I think he thinks in a weird way that he's um, that he's doing something right for humans, and um, you know, I mean, it, it's 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 yeah. nuttiness. He's he's literally planning to kill everybody in Yorktown, millions of people. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm just I'm just saying yeah. he was a Federation captain. Oh yeah, no, I don't. I don't mean to. I don't mean to say that he is necessarily, you know, somehow foreign. I mean, I think, but I, you know, what I guess what I'm saying is that you know, for like Star Trek Three, for example, Krug appears on the screen. All we know about him really is that he's a Klingon, and Klingon, the Klingon Empire is a foreign government power, and that's really all the motivation you need. This yeah. is partly. This is pretty much a great power politics game. You know, we don't need to know. Why Krug is seeking the Genesis device? If you don't need to know his backstory, you know whether he's married. But when you're talking, you're like, as here you said, we do. with Crawl, yeah, as you said, with yeah. Crawl, it's it's some there's something. It's his motivations. There's some there's something internal to him that is driving his actions. And I think when that when that's the case, when he's not just a soldier taking orders, 
And I think you really do need to get at his motivations more. Yeah, I, I think that they they thought by like that scene when um, Uhura uh, hears Edison saying Frontier and goes back there and messes with it until they see the actual footage of Edison. And she goes, that's Kroll. I think they thought that scene was going to be way more mm-hmm. impactful and revelatory and explaining of all his motivations and all. And it, and it, and it wasn't. It wasn't enough. You know, I think that they had the right idea there, but they were being way too subtle. I think that it, like you're saying, I think it ne- it needed far more um, detail to work. Yeah, yeah, I, they played it like a twist rather than a yes. you know a character mm-hmm. development over the whole movie. Exactly, that's exactly it. Yes. Yeah, I I, gr- I agree. The motivation needed, you know, as we spoke of, I I think the the motivation wasn't clear, um, but I I, I do want to say that I'm glad this point came up because I think in a way this this is one of the primary reasons and kind of a sneaky way why this movie is a good Trek movie and specifically why it's a good. Um, why it pays homage to the original series too. You know, we, we look back on the original series and we kind of take for granted these things. Like we all know stuff like they were referencing Vietnam War and civil rights and all this kind of stuff. And it's so old news now that we just kind of throw it away. But really when Trek is at its best, it is socially relevant. And, and you know, in the time we live in right now, things like um, Brexit and things like, you know, a primary candidate uh, you know the Republican candidate right now, and his in his views, and all these kinds of controversies surrounding how xenophobic should we be? Where's the threat? Is the threat from within? Is the kind of stuff that that's the world we live in? And if and if a movie can can bring up those issues and not not knock us over the head with it, you know, but that that is what Trek is, and and that's what the original series was. And for me, I think that adds to why this movie feels right as far as being in the original series kind of vibe and being um you know a a good movie for the 50th anniversary given the context we're in we've talked um a lot about well i guess i want to talk about the franklin just very briefly you know i think that it's interesting so so we've talked a lot about uh thinking of this movie as a star trek movie in in a way more than these last couple and that's a lot us to enjoy it i wonder how much of that is just that they created a little bit of history there mm-hmm. you know we've obviously we've said we we love that they mentioned the zindi and the mako and all that stuff but this whole thing about the franklin and you know we get a little bit of kind of the federation absorbing the makos after you know you know pre-federation going into federation we get a little bit of that history and the ship has been there and Helping this, helping this, this film, and in a weird way, the Kelvin timeline fit even more into um, the Prime timeline. You know that mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that. So I guess the, the Franklin stuff kind of made it fun, and I think that um, okay, I don't, hey, I don't have quick. much else to say about it, but that I guess. But uh, real quick, hey, what do you guys think of the design of the Franklin? I mean, um, I'm. Has anybody read or why it wasn't? Closer to the Enterprise because it's an NX class. I, I like that it was well. NX just means um, experimental. The sure, Defiant okay. was NX. I got you. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think, but it was, I mean, it would, mm-hmm. they said it was the first warp four ship, so I think they got a little bit mixed because I thought Enterprise, NX Enterprise, Inter- would go would get up to five. 
Yeah, so I Enterprise was the first war must have come out earlier. You know, this would was okay. an an earlier pre ship. pre Enterprise, right? Right. So it, the fact it was that still it was still the implication is this still would have been flying uh, around mm. the same time, and and I think it was Trek Corps. If you're really interested in this, folks, if you have any if you think that that they didn't think about it. Go check. I think it was Trek Corps has has a fabulous article on how this all fits into the Trek canon and the timeline, and it totally works. And they're not reaching. It all makes sense. It's clear that the writers were thinking about this stuff. Um, and and um, but the the implication I think is that the Franklin would have been uh, it would have tra- transitioned from NX probably to a traditional registry number around the time uh, of the Federation, something like that. But check out Trek Corps article. It's it's very. It eliminates a great deal. Well, yeah, I thought I thought the design was pretty good, and I thought it was. I mean, we don't get a lot of good looks at it, you know, really in no. the movie. But but I did think it was close enough to Enterprise from Enterprise, you know, that it felt right in that way. And but, it looks different than than like you know the the seventeen oh one Enterprise. Yes. I think it's sure. very important. Yeah, you know. So I liked it. I thought it was cool. I thought it looked older without looking too similar, and you know, it's. I, I didn't need to see other parts of the ship. I never mm-hmm. felt like it was missing. M- later on, when I thought about the movie, it was like, where the hell were all these crew that they beamed onto the Franklin? <laughs> you know? um, but uh, that didn't really matter. It didn't really bother me. But yeah, regarding the question, though, of the history, and what's what's interesting is that, you know, when did this notion of canon and history become such a crucial part of Star Trek? Because you think back, the original series as being three seasons, you know, and then you had the movies and the next gen and all that stuff too. For us, like somewhere in the 90s when you had, you know, a hist- you know, uh, two full series done, two in progress, several movies, all that kind of stuff, that's when you have this big canon, uh, this weight of it. But I think that's why, again, this movie – you kind of have this balance of it feeling like a good Star Trek movie because not only do you have all the references to the original series and this vibe of it is socially relevant and so on, but you do have the history. You're referencing um, the original series in kind of an indirect fashion. They're referencing Enterprise relatively directly, all this kind of stuff. And so really for any brand of Trek fan, you know, there's something there. You know, so I, I think I think it's I think it is really cool that they all, the, all they needed to have was DePaul in the movie and it would have been complete. Mm, there you go. <laughs> hey, hey, Dom, did you think that they were that the Yorktown was a was was it possibly too future sci-fi? I, I I there were a couple times I thought I mean it was cool, but it was almost like are they really capable of constructing this at this time period? I don't know. It don't, it, I, we've never seen anything that big. <laughs> Remind me of the um, huh. You know what? I was going to just say one thing about the Franklin, actually. Too, um, this might be blasphemy, but I actually like that design better than the Enterprise design from the show Enterprise, because it actually looks like a precursor to the Enterprise. It looks like an earlier version of a starship of the Enterprise, and the Enterprise Archer's Enterprise from the TV show always looked like a next-gen ship to me for some reason. Um, but yeah, Yorktown is interesting because you're right. It definitely, it's definitely new. Um, it definitely implies more advanced technology than what we're used to seeing. Um, I've always had a soft spot for the Starbase and Search for Spock. Um, but that said, I really liked that the Yorktown was a fresh new design. It was re- it just it looked really interesting. I don't know in terms of continuity and canon in Star Trek. I don't know if it makes sense, but I'm glad that they. Push the boundaries of what they think a space station could look like. 
and they oh, the did visuals. some yeah, the, yeah, the visuals, visuals the 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 water the tubes with the water and how that worked the the gravity slipstream and it allowed them to play with gravity in interesting ways that I thought was nice. So I thought it was, overall, I thought it was a good addition to uh, Trek. Cool. Um, let's talk very briefly about kind of each character. Um, I remember we we did this French Darkness and we actually had somebody write in saying they liked that we did it. So we're going to do it really fast. Um, <laughs> um, I, the one thing I thought about watch, thinking about each character, if this movie seems like, you know, it's something you see in every Star Trek movie. They try to give each character their moment or whatever. This movie felt like we each character got kind of more than one moment, but it's still... You know, if you if you think about characters that aren't the top two or three, then and I'm just talking about our main Star Trek, you know, recurring crew. Um, if you think about the ones that aren't the top two or three, they you know they probably didn't have that many lines really in the course of the movie. Um, but the the one thing I was thinking about, like, I mean, there's not really any change for Chekhov or not really for Sulu. We we see a, an aspect to his life that we never saw before, but we don't see that there isn't. We don't really see the character undergo any change. So in a, in a, it's it's a, it's he feels a little bit more fleshed out in a weird way. But we don't. I mean, it's not that weird that he's fleshed out. I just mean it. He he seems like a fuller character, even though he doesn't really do much in the movie. Um, I, I didn't feel like any of the characters were shortchanged in a way that I think I, I, I remember feeling that way just a little bit. Cause I think part of it was just, we were all surprised in JJ's uh, in the 2009 Star Trek that it seemed like the triumvirate instead of being bones, Spock, um, Kirk had become, um, Uhura, Spock and Kirk. Uh, that's at least that's what it felt like in probably both of Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness, but this movie that didn't. This movie it, it really did feel like Kirk, Spock, McCoy to me. Um, I, I don't know that McCoy really goes through any kind of changes, but definitely, you know, they they set something up for Kirk at the beginning. You know, this this feeling of uh, captaining the starship has become routine. Maybe I should go upstairs. Um, you know, and then by the end, you know, he's made his his journey. Uh, Spock has his own journey where he's thinking about quitting uh, Starfleet and Uhura, <laughs> um, so that he can repopulate the species. <laughs> uh, so we do see a little bit of progression with those those two primary characters. But so I'm wondering if one, if you guys feel like anybody was shortchanged, or if I'm missing that maybe some of the smaller guys did get. Um, uh, some kind of um, progression, and two. Do you kind of agree with me, or am I am I wrong about it feeling a little bit less Uhura, Spock, Kirk, and more Bones, Spock, Kirk? Well, I kind of feel like it was a little bit more um, Spock McCoy because they, you know, they were paired up there. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, it was interesting pairing. You just had those two. He had Kirk um, with Chekhov. So Chekhov. I think we got a lot more about in Chekhov in the first half of the film. You could speak more to that, Brian. And I kind of felt like his, his character dropped off in the second half. Um, the kind of the same with um, 
Ahura, I mean, I guess Ahura, she was important in this movie, but it didn't seem like she was as prevalent. I don't know. Like I said, I might have to see it again. I will, I will see it again, and I might have a different opinion, but it's just kind of like my, my impression. Um, and then, uh, Sulu, he kind of felt more, kind of felt like the secondary characters were more heavy in the beginning. At least Sulu, Chekhov, and Scotty kind of just even keel along the whole movie. I don't know. Well, Uhura was the one that realized Crawl was Edison. That's significant to the narrative. Yes. Yeah, so she had a moment. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think it was well balanced. You know, the the movies you can't. You you have to make a choice as to what characters get the attention, and it's usually the the prominent ones, the captain, and maybe one or two others. And so I think I think this movie did well because it did. I I agree that it did bring the focus back to Kirk, Spock, McCoy, again, coming back to more like the original series. I think it was great to put Spock and McCoy together for so much of it because that added to that, that flavor and so on. Um, but I do think that the, the other, the other uh, crew weren't entirely ignored. They all had their little moments, which I think is really all you can expect in a feature film. Yeah, no, like I, said, I think splitting him up kind of helped because you were able to bounce around to different stories and mm-hmm. the, and those st- and it wasn't like kind of like oh we're just going to go to a Sulu now just to go to Sulu. I mean, all all these scenes moved the story forward, so it didn't feel like um somebody was shortchanged or wasn't getting enough time. Yeah, but I actually I pretty much agree with everything you said, but I do. There's there are two in terms of characters, two points that really stuck with me at the end of, end of the movie more than. You know, the fact that each character got their moment or their screen time, I was actually really impressed by, one, these characters acted like adults. That was actually a big complaint of mine, especially from Into Darkness, where you had Uhura and Spock arguing about their relationship on an away mission, which was just incredibly unprofessional. And, you know, same with mm. Kirk, who was you know, basically depicted as a frat boy for the first two movies. You know, and, and, and beyond, Kirk is a captain. You know, he might not be our William Shatner, but he's a, you know, he, he is, he's an, he's a mature adult commanding a ship. You know, we don't, you know, we don't, these, these people, you know, I could believe Sulu, Uhura, and Chekhov and all them in these, in these movies. I, I believe that they could crew a starship and that they are competent. Um, so that's one. And then also, I'm, I'm just glad that none of these characters were, were disserviced. And I actually think they came off uh, pretty well. And again, just going back to Into Darkness, where you know, I think you know, scenes like Kirk punching Khan while he's unarmed really do a disservice to the character because you know that's basically Captain Kirk condoning violence against unarmed prisoners, and that's certainly not the Starfleet way. But you know, I think so. I think more than just the screen time, I think Beyond just got the characters right. A guy recognized these characters. Dom, did you like uh, Jayla? I I don't think she's going to return, but would you want to see her return? You know, it's funny. This was another instance where I think the marketing um, really disserviced the movie. Um, There was a there was a a a commercial or an ad or something. I'm on. I don't know if it was actually released on TV, but it was about Jayla, and um, there was text saying, "Oh, Jayla, she's edgy," and then you see her sitting in the captain's chair. As if this is a, as if she's taking over Crook's command, and that this is you know some, you know, I don't know, like girl power moment or something where she can be tough too. But you know, which if you watch the movie, I actually thought she was a good character. 
you know, she was she was funny. Um, you know, she had some great fighting moments, but I thought she was more than that. Um, you know, even the scene of her sitting in the captain's chair in the movie, the context is totally different. That's her ship. Yeah. She lived yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep, not. Totally. Yeah. It's not an insult to Kirk. You know, it's 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 totally different. So I so I I actually ended up liking her. I thought, you know, it may, it may be, I do regret that maybe having her on screen took away time from some of our crew members, you know, Hora, Chekhov, Sulu, etc. But at the yeah, same time, I mean, it's a common problem in all like the films her. when they're yeah. you know. Yeah. Do no, you think? You know, uh, do you think they could, should have given more screen time to Kroll? Maybe we could have gotten more of that character development. Well, like you said, it's tough to balance all these characters, and you know, I don't, I, I can't, like, I, I can't say that I was disappointed with any of these. I, I wasn't disappointed in Jayla to the extent that I, I would say, cut her from the movie. You know, I certainly don't think that. I thought she was a fun addition to the movie. So if I, if I were to cut her to give more character time to somebody else, it would be, it would be with, with regret. Um, I th- I'm sh- we've certainly just hit on this topic repeatedly, but um, well, you know what? Hold on. Before we do, what's the movie about? Uh, Michael uh, Giacchino's music was such a big part of the last two. Um, I am a huge fan of his of his uh, scores for both the last two, and I I like his score a lot in this one. Um, I feel like I'm saying the same thing I said about John Williams back at Force Awakens. There was a little bit of me that was disappointed, only in that I remember literally walking out of 2009 Star Trek, kind of humming that that main theme, dun, 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 that one, you know. Um, and then even Into Darkness, there was that that piano thing, like you know, at the hospital. Um, this movie, I I didn't have any of those. You know, I felt more like there was just more variations on the existing themes, which is which is great. I mean, I thought it worked very well in the movie. Same exact way I felt about John Williams' Force Awakens score, um, but it wasn't as much. Um, I wasn't excited as excited about just you know listening to it on its own or anything. Are you guys into the music at all? Do you? I mean, this I, I have to thought see about the film again to kind of absorb the music. I. To be honest with you, I have to see a film a couple of times to, for the music to kind of absorb in. So I can't have a, I don't really have a good opinion either way. Um, but I agree with you. Yeah, I do like the music in these movies. So oh, that's my opinion. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't really pay really close attention to the music, but I did have that vibe coming out of it that it, that it worked. I think whenever it has that kind of feel like, I remember elements of it. I remember feeling like it contributed and didn't, um, and didn't uh, dis- distract me from what they're trying to do and didn't try to push me too far to the mood they're trying to create, but it was just, just right. You know, it's, it's not obvious by any means, but it, I think it, it, it feels good, you know? So I, I do think it was effective, the score in this film. Yeah, it was actually, I thought the music was really interesting. Again, I've only seen the film once. I could be wrong in what I heard, but um, there were a lot of homages to the original series music. Like the uh, the classic Kirk, you know, amok time fight music, that was in there when Kirk was fighting Crawl. I think in the original, uh, when they were fighting on the Enterprise, I don't remember if they, if they replayed that at the end. But I noticed a lot of little original series touches, very you know, very different from how they they sounded in the in the original series, but the but definitely definitely um, 
uh, trying to capture at least the same the, the same beat and so, so it. I thought that was interesting. I, I don't know if I'd purchase the soundtrack to listen the way to it the way I did for the '09 film, yeah. but um, I'd, I'd, I'd want I'd want to see the movie again and just kind of pick out those original series um, homages and kind of you know, see if I can match them up to um, the uh, the uh, soundtrack the, the 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 original series soundtrack that they have. Hey Brian, I have a quick question. So I think the only time that I noticed really noticed when um, the Enterprise was approaching the planet, the music was kind of ominous, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of Khan. I could be mistaken. Yes, I, yes. It, it, yeah. Am I correct in that? The music. He, that, he that, de- I don't know if it was similar to the Horner score, but definitely kind uh, of that beats. Of, I'm not saying like definitely it was like, one of the new themes is a crawl theme, and it is kind of this ominous. Um, dark thing, and and he uses that theme throughout the movie. Whenever we see crawl, and yes, the first time you first time we get it, I think is that time the the first time the Enterprise gets attacked. There, I do remember I do remember noticing the music in that scene. So, yeah, all right, guys. The big question we've we've certainly we've probably already even flat out talked about it, but we certainly hinted about it. So, what is this movie really about? What are the themes that you think are? Most um, that they're shooting for and that are effectively. Um, well, I think I mentioned this earlier in the cast. Is like um, there's themes that I see throughout these movies, and they um, they're for me they're predominantly on Kirk and Spock. Um, is there is there kind of their their coming of age? Um, and you know we see this early on in the film. Spock struggling with Prime Spock's death and his place in the world. You know and his. You know his, his race almost being extinct. Um, Kirk um, coming to grips with, you know, his father, his, you know, his you know father issues of you know and who he is and why he's in Starfleet and all those kind of things. So those themes for me are kind of prevalent through all throughout the three of these films. Um, they're just I think they're magnified a little bit, definitely more in this film than um, Into Darkness. So. Um, it's kind of what these these movies are about for me as these characters coming into better focus. I think Dom mentioned earlier that you know there's a maturity about them in this film that you don't see in the first two. So the, the, those themes are in this movie as well. And then we can go into the territory. So I'll let somebody else go into like how it relates to society. I think we talked about that already too. Steve, Dom, anybody? One thing I kind of—I don't know if I'm stretching with this—but one thing I picked up, and maybe this is because I'm going through a midlife crisis myself, but um, I thought the film actually touched upon midlife crises or you know ex- existential questions. You know, we have obviously Kirk very blatantly asking, you know, what is his purpose in you know life? Does he want to just keep exploring? Is it or is it just is space just a vast nothingness? Spock's also going through a midlife crisis. Trying to deciding whether he wants to stay in Starfleet or go join the Vulcans, um, but Crawl is also very much an example of this. And that you know his purpose in life was destroyed when the Federation started ad- adopting a mission of peace and exploration. Um, and even you could say maybe Sulu with his family. And you know John Cho mentioned that there were some cut scenes that um, dealt more with um, you know Sulu's you know Sulu felt torn between his family and work and. Um, or leaving his family on the Yorktown, and you know, I think I think the film kind of just pushes you to ask, well, what do you you know, how do you face that? You know, what do you do with that? And um, you know, in a, in a way, you know, Spock decided 
uh, made that he made his decision based on the fact that he felt like the Enterprise was becoming family, and he realized that it was a perfectly acceptable destiny for him to to, yeah. to view the Enterprise as family. You know, Kirk, you know, I think became more just realized that you know he could be you know the the guy who protected everybody. You know, he could be the father figure, um, and Kral never found that, and that's one of the reasons why he went off into the deep end. He never found his purpose. So. I don't know if that's really like a unifying theme or what it's about, but it just seemed like that was a common character theme for for all for several of the main characters. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I, I think there's a couple things, and I think that that's, those are those are good points to kind of unify the themes because what you have is you do have this arc over the course of the films, obviously the coming of age and um, what's one's purpose. But yeah, we definitely when we especially we see with Kirk and Spock the notion of um, what is what is what is my purpose? What do I choose to do? What do I choose to emphasize in my life and where am I going? But we also see because of the the the, the grand scope of things, what the what the villain's gone through and so on, that it's all it's all in a context, you know. I mean if, if you're if you decide that your purpose and, and the theme of your life is one thing and then that runs contrary to the direction of of history or or the or where where you know where things just happen to lead you have a you have a problem and ultimately you either you either adapt or you uh you suffer and and you're going to run contrary and that's what, and you're and you're stuck and and so on so you have because we have to we have to wonder if if the characters of Kirk and Spock in this universe in this situation, had things turned out differently or they'd run into a different scenario at this very crucial time, the death of Spock Prime, uh, the prospect of a promotion, these kind of things, and then this this particular story would not have happened, what would they have chosen to do? You know, it wouldn't necessarily, maybe they would have made a different choice. And then you have uh, the choice. Yeah, there you go. The choice is made by Crawl, um, Edison, so on. And, and then what happens when you see that that times are changing, society's going a different direction than you. How do you deal with that? Do you adapt? Do you make it work for you? Or do you flip your lid and and <laughs> try to <laughs> kill everybody on Yorktown? Exactly. <laughs> so I mean I, I do think there while you have my on one hand you it appears you have a couple different things going on there. I agree. I agree there with the kind of the direction Dom was going in that conversation. You can unify it all by having uh, the notion of one's purpose in context of history. So they've officially um, announced they're going to do another movie. Um, they also, yes, announced that Chris Hemsworth was going to be returning to play George Kirk. Don't know how that's exactly going to work, but just just very briefly, your any general thoughts of what you would like to see. If, them what we would like to see in the next movie you know thinking about beyond as a jumping off point you know where would you like to see them go from here um dom i really don't have a very clear sense because again as you said chris hemsworth coming back as george kirk i don't i i I have no idea what that means is it going to be set in the past or are there going to be flashbacks um so they could go really in a lot of different directions. Um, I would like them, you know, I think Beyond was a good start to making the making them feel more like more like Trek. I definitely would love 
for the next film to be more to to engage more with um I don't want to say social commentary because that always sounds pedantic, but you know maybe maybe trying to feel a bit more socially socially relevant. It doesn't have to be undiscovered country relevant, um, but something you know, something that feels thoughtful and appropriate for our moment in history. You know, Brian Fuller recently said about the TV show. You know, there is a lot of stuff going on in politics today, and it'd be great if Trek could be a vehicle for processing that and. I don't know. So maybe maybe that. No, I, I thought announcing Chris Hemsworth was coming back as the dead George Kirk was very thoughtful and not gimmicky at all. <laughs> <laughs> My initial thought was that you know let's capitalize on the fact that he's become a big star, you know, and yeah. and bring you know yep. naturally. But I will I will say that after seeing this movie, if if the the people putting this move this next movie together are some of the same people you know i i have a little more faith in in that they can make something quality out of it and interesting let's see my thoughts my thoughts my this these were my fantasy thoughts is if they're going to be using george kurt and it kind of comes down to how they're going to use him like you said it could be flashbacks it could just be some random scene but my thought is like are they going to attempt to repair the timeline is that what this is about so hmm. I do I do think I think that's interesting and I do think there's at least a chance that it may not be as simple as uh, go back and like a time travel within that universe kind of thing it could be a parallel situation So the, it's, it's the, the mirror, 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 mirror yeah, George Yeah mm-hmm. it's going to be the evil George Kirk oh, or mirror universe there you go yeah. <laughs> Um so everybody you guys all saw it just like traditional to I assume 2K DCP, yeah. Or didn't anybody see it? Um, I saw it on IMAX screen. I don't know. You did? Okay, IMAX. I did. See, I did see it in 3D, and it wasn't yeah. my choice because it was converted. It was just because the timing worked out when my parents <laughs> watch my daughter. You know, and we go. Yeah, there you go. It. Yeah. But uh, it was it was fine. Yeah. 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 Literally, there were there were there were three people in the theater when I saw it because I went I went late Sunday night. There were three people in the theater. It was me and like three other people. I know that's probably not good for the film, but I loved it because I love an empty theater. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna do this really fast. I just I wanted to talk about the different ways that I saw it really fast. Okay. First, I saw I was um, that Wednesday night. Uh, I, I was I got to go to the um, the premiere in San Diego, which was like an outdoor IMAX thing, which was an amazing event. I think I, I you know I talked about that incredible fan event they had back in um, May, which was nutty. Um, and this was almost as nutty. Um, aside from the fact that B. Joe Trimble sat behind me, and if you're a Star Trek nut, then you know who she is, and if you don't, Google her. She sat behind me, and I asked her if I could take her, because I knew who she was, and I asked her if I could take her picture, and then she she asked me to email it to her. She gave me her email. Wow. <laughs> and nice. I've had a couple of email correspondences with, with her. It's awesome. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Did you post that anywhere, Brian? Um, no, I didn't. I, she, she asked, she just emailed me today and asked if she can put it on her Facebook page or something. So, yeah, you should um, put it on the Twitter page. What are you, th- what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Come on. I know. I, well, I, cause I, 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 it was, she, she wasn't there like in an official capacity or something like she's not associated with anything officially anyway, but you know what I mean? I just felt a little bit like 
private citizen putting up their picture up felt a little bit weird. But anyway, the point is that's the kind of situation this 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 premiere was. Okay, obviously all the talent and stuff was there. It was a little odd. Conan O'Brien was like the MC sort of, and he's mm. actually a very witty, funny guy. Um, anyway. That was the um, they they had um, you know after they did all their like the red carpety stuff. By the way, they gave us like like everybody there got a meal. I mean, it was tiny, but it was it was weird. It was cool. It was amazing. Uh, after they had the talent come out and they talked to them, little mini interviews and stuff. Um. Uh, actually, Nichelle Nichols was there and Scott Manns interviewed her, but that was before the talent from from Beyond showed up. Anyway, uh, they did a thing like, and oh, by the way, of course, there was a live orchestra playing the score to the premiere of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and um, but before, right before the movie started, the orchestra played like this suite of Jacino's uh, uh, music from the 2009 Star Trek, while laser show was going on above our heads and a full fireworks show mm. was going off over the water. It was This was on the outdoors on the bay. And this wasn't like a f- couple of fireworks. This was like if you went on the 4th of July to like the biggest place you could go to so you could see the big show. That's what this was. Hmm. Wow. It was bananas. And then they started the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that was crazy. It was a really awesome event. And then afterward, of course, we all got like swag, Star Trek swag, which was you know, amazing too. Uh, so that was that was an incredible event uh, as a way to watch the movie for the very first time. Maybe it wouldn't necessarily theoretically have been my first choice because it was outdoors and whatever. But anyway, so that was IMAX, albeit the I assume the the fakey IMAX, but that was IMAX. I saw it uh, second time. I saw it in 3D. Um, I didn't really necessarily want to. Listeners of our show know that I'm not a big fan of post-converted 3D, but it was the only time that worked out that was early enough that I could go to it before I had to go do a job. <laughs> um, the 3D was was fine. There was there were a few scenes where because I'd already seen it in 2D. Um, uh, I'm just going to give you one example. The uh, the scene the first rock like scene in the rock quarry with with bones and Spock. All the medium close-up shots of bones like as he's talking to Spock about his injury or whatever, it looked like he, he was shot on green screen. Mm. And I'm sure that was because they, you know, they have, they have to rotor them out, you know, one frame at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't shot on green screen, folks. That, that, they were in a rock quarry. <laughs> it doesn't look like that in the 2D version, but it sure does look like it in the 3D version. You know, there's like lines around his body and stuff. Um, so that kind, of, that kind of thing kind of stuck out. It's nothing you would notice if you hadn't seen it regularly or whatever. It's not terrible. But, you know, it just reminds you, hey, post-converted looks a little funny. That would not be my first choice to, you know, see the movie. Um, then I saw just a regular 2K DCP like we all go to see. Honestly, that was probably – I like that more than than any of the other three ways I watched the movie. And then the last thing I did last night, I went and saw it on Barco Escape. So Barco Escape is this new format from Barco. Uh, so imagine a scope, ske- scope screen in the center – and then on the left, there's actually another scope screen. And on the right, there's another scope screen. And both of those screens are kind of turned out a little bit. But then the sides, you know, connect up with the main. So it's kind of like three screens touching each other. And the one screen on the left and the screen on the right are kind of turned out a little bit. Like old school Cinerama something. A little bit but without the curvature. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and I had read that they were remas- that they were doing 20 minutes of the movie for this. Interesting. Right? And the way that I read it was, you know, like the C- basically the CG, 
they're just rendering out more CG on the sides. Mm. Sounds awesome, right? So I went to this Barco Escape screening, and I was so utterly, completely disappointed and upset. And if I hadn't, mm. if I'd been by myself, I would have walked out. Mm. Um, as a concept, Barco Escape I think could be kind of interesting, but not the way it's implemented in Star Trek Beyond. All they did was blow up the footage, probably three hundred percent. So now all of a sudden. For those 20 minutes of the movie, look, all of a sudden it's super, you know, basically big effect sequences. All of a sudden it's super, super blown up. So everything looks blurry and grainy. And also it's cropped all weird because it's only, you know, they had to crop out like half the image. So you see like the the saucer section after it flips over on the planet. But it's like this weird composition of just like one little chunk or something it did mm. barely any sky it was it was terrible and all and it felt like i swear to god you're watching it and it's like it felt like you were watching vhs and then quality and then the next shot that would just go back to the center screen was super clear it didn't even match anymore it was terrible at the beginning there was some bad robot producer doing like a greeting kind of thing like footage of him and it wasn't JJ, when it wasn't Justin Lin for that matter. And I thought, wow, that's kind of weird. And then I saw the movie and realized why they're not really back in this because it looked like crap. Hmm. So do not go see the Barco Escape version. Um, and uh, no, they're not paying me to say that. Hmm. <laughs> that. That was very disappointing. So of the four different ways I saw it, I would just, I would see a regular old DCP. You know, just any old Cineplex is probably the best option. I admit I am very picky when it comes to technical things. <clears throat> But Barco Escape is very disappointing. Let's do Six Degrees for Beyond. Unfortunately, these are not really Six Degrees because um, we were joking when we said Idris Elba was actually on Enterprise. He was not. Hmm. So there really weren't people that I could really reuse again. So these are just going to be generic trivia questions. Dom, as our guest, are you going first, second, or third? I'll go second. Steve, are you going first or second? Or first first or third? Oh, first. First. Okay, Steve. Crawl is revealed to be Edison, the former captain of the Franklin. Before that, he was a Mako. What does Mako stand for? Mm. Oh, geez. Um, I don't recall. Dumb? Um, I don't recall either. Adam. Military classification officers? I have no idea. Military assault command operations. Just rolls uh, off the tongue. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Dom, this is the second Trek feature to have no scenes set on Earth. Name the other one. The... Let me think. Um... Pretty sure. Hmm. Torn between Insurrection and Star Trek V. I haven't seen Star Trek V in so long, but I'm going to say. Don't climb a rock. I'm going to say Star Trek V. No, they climb a rock. No. Remember the all this stuff with the, the three of them climbing the mountain? The yeah. Beans. Oh, yeah, beans, that's right. Beans. They did. Yeah. And the marshmallows. <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen that movie in 20 years. Uh, Adam? So. Um, I believe it is Insurrection. You're correct, it is Insurrection. Yeah. Adam, this is the third Trek feature to have no Klingons at all. Name the other two. No Klingons at, at all. Um, Wrath of Khan? Yes, one more, please. And um, 
deleted scenes don't count, if that helps you. Would it be um, the JJ Star Trek? You are correct. Look at that. Adam takes it 2-0. <laughs> Look at that. Okay. Uh, of course, we are massively over, but I anticipated that. Uh, super fast. Last thing. We have to talk briefly about the new show. So they announced the title. It's going to be Discovery, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Fuller confirmed that it's in the prime timeline, although, uh, you know, we still need to hear exactly when it takes place, I suppose, for that to be completely meaningful, but he did say prime timeline. And we also saw saw a couple minutes of footage that I of the ship that I think was probably supposed to be closer to final than they intended uh, that then they reveal then they let on now but since some people complained um, now they keep talking about it like it's just test footage <laughs> I think the design is cool it's obviously a reference to that uh, Ralph Macquarie um, 70s thing but um, is this enough to even pique anybody's interest and make you more excited less excited I like the title uh, the ship is a bit muscular I thought it was very, yeah, beefy. It's kind of a beefy shit, but it's a lot fine. of people it's, say that about me, actually. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I say it every day, Brian. Yeah, not you. <laughs> no, it was fine. I, 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 I like the title. If that's what they're going with, um, Star Trek Discovery, or that's, or if that's the name of the ship. I don't know. You know, I didn't quite, haven't done quite that much research on it. But my my initial take on the ship, it was cool, but it seemed kind of bulky. Make you more or less excited for the show? No change. No, 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 no change. No change. Steve, I'll get used to it. Uh, yeah, no, ch- no change. I suppose. Um, I'm, I'm already excited about the series. Um, curious what they're going to do with that. Uh, I can't help but, but wonder. You know, speculate. I mean, there, the rumors have been that they're since they're going to do small arcs, that they might do uh, different time time frames for I each think section. Fuller shot that down. Oh yeah, but, so that's not yeah. going to happen. Okay. Dom? So, can I just say, I'm very happy that they're not going to take the easy route and just come up with, like, the Enterprise J or another Enterprise ship. Yes, I totally Or agree. just another another starship that looks just like the Enterprise traditional design. I'm really happy that it seems like they're taking a few risks, even really small risks, with like the ship design, the name, um, and that makes me hopeful. So, I don't, I don't really... Yeah, I, I was already pretty excited for the show. I think this maybe raised my interest a bit higher, but it was already fairly high. Um, and again, I mentioned Brian Fuller's comments the other day. I think it was at San Diego Comic Con where he said he wants the show to be, you know, politically and socially engaged. And I, I take that all as, you know, hopeful, good signs. I talked a lot about, you know. Um, how hard it was for me at the first JJ movie and the introduction of this Kelvin timeline. And as a trekker who goes on a journey to suddenly feel like I was told that 700 plus hours of the universe I lived in never happened. You know, I mean, it was like sleepless nights for months. It was very, very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I got mostly got over that over time. It got better and better, but I hadn't thought about that in a long time until he said this, or actually I think it was one of so whoever said that officially, like, this is prime timeline. And the second I heard that, some of that other stuff came flooding back, and I was so ecstatically happy. I was like a little kid happy. It was crazy. I was so happy because for as much as I'm enjoying, especially Beyond, but for as much as I, you know, I enjoy these big budget um, bad robot movies, 
the second they said this new show is prime timeline, it 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 didn't change the bad robot movies, but it completely changes your perspective of them. Because for one moment, they could have been Star Trek. They could have been what Star Trek is. And the second they said the new show is prime, instantly the bad robot Star Trek features became anomalies, outliers, the alternate timeline that they really are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it instantly trans- changed my perspective on that, and I am very happy about that. Very, so very I'm curious. Just, and that's not, just, a, that's not a value judgment on whether the J.J. movies are good or bad. I'm not talking about that at all. Um, but I'm very happy to hear this is prime timeline. And I, I hope that it's really actually set, you know, late enough that that really mm-hmm. means something. Like if it's, if it's you know, pre-Kirk time, then it, that's kind of irrelevant. It doesn't work. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, do you do you would your how much does your enthusiasm for this depend on the you know the time? And I could see be I could see it being before Kirk, between Kirk and Picard, or after Deep Deep Space yeah, Nine. Yeah, even if it's before Kirk, there are lots of things they can do to tell us for sure that it's the prime timeline. I mean, they could do mm-hmm. things with time. They could jump forward to little things, but mm-hmm. um, you know, the rumor I heard that I enjoyed the most was that it was going to be after Star Trek Six. Uh, mm. But it seems like Brian Fuller shot that down in the same interview where he shot down the idea of jumping around per season or something. But, um, you know, the truth is it's been over 10 years since we had a new Star Trek show. And for as much as we love the movies, Star Trek is a TV show first. Uh, in a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Star Trek TV series, not the Star Trek movie series, you know. Um, so... I'm very happy about their about a new show coming along. I I can't wait to get more information. I really I'm, I'm very excited. Okay, so we did better than our Into Darkness conversation. I recall that was closer to two hours, and I always felt guilty about that. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I felt bad about it. So this is much much better. Um, if you you are still listening to our podcast after ninety minutes, you are a trooper. Thank you. Uh, Dom, thank you so much for joining us, man. It was great. Um, please tell the folks where they can find you. I think you said you you have an official review of Beyond Ups, right? Oh, thanks again. It's fun. Yeah, I, I have a have a small blog, domnardireviews.wordpress.com, or you, I think if you go to domnardy.com, it takes you somewhere and you can find your way to the reviews. Yeah, I have. Um, the first part of a, of a review about Beyond and a second part coming out later, later this week. So, yeah, thanks again. Cool. Thank you very, very much. Um, gosh, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe uh, Rogue One, huh? Six months? <laughs> yeah, I definitely um, want to see that one. Yeah. Uh, Steve and Adam. That's another Star Trek movie in the can. Look at that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. we have another Star Trek movie in the can and another one announced. So it's it's good. Yeah. It's been a good week for or a couple weeks for Star Trek. Okay, so um, in two weeks we're going to have the, be posting the next episode of our podcast. So not next week, two weeks. We'll be posting the next episode, and we're going to do in a mirror darkly parts one and two. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. So thanks again to our special guest, Dominic Nardi. And um, thank you again to our listeners for spending, gosh, 90 minutes with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you.
done. I passed it.